podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger radio show podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. legs are short but very powerful for digging. In fact, the name badger probably comes from the French word beche, meaning digger. It's that badger style. Hi everybody, it's James. Welcome to another edition of the Cricket Budget Radio Show podcast. If you've just found us on the internet, stick with us. We've had some great guests in the past. You can always troll through some of our previous episodes, some fantastic people, some fantastic cricket chat over the last couple of years. But we're going from strength to strength, so make sure you subscribe, make sure you tick all the boxes, leave us some positive feedback as well. It'd be great to hear from you, and it all helps us spread the word and keep the Cricket Budget Radio Show podcast going in the future. This week though it's a sports journalist special i'm joined by peter moore and graham hardcastle along with myself we pick the bones out of england's woes in the caribbean how worried should we be we talk about a slow over eights and we look ahead to the 2019 summer which one is the most important competition for england to win it's all here on this week's edition of the cricket budget radio show podcast it's that badger style Hi, my name is Brian Lara, and you're listening to the Cricket Badger Podcast. Pleasure to welcome to this week's Cricket Budget Radio Show Podcast, a voice you already know in Graham Hardcastle. Graham, how are you? Not so bad, thank you. And uh, we've got a newbie on the line as well, all sports journalists together this week. Peter Moore, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yourself? I'm very good, thank you. And it's been a while, hasn't it? We've been we've been chatting about you coming onto the podcast for some time now, but finally got you on. Yeah, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Thank you. And we're going to start by talking about, well, the Caribbean. Beautiful blue skies. Um, sea will be fantastic at this time of year. But England not really enjoying their trip down to the West Indies at the moment. Two tests to nil down um, after Barbados and Antigua. We'll start off, though, with the positives from the other side, in that West Indies cricket is actually starting to look a little bit better, Peter. Uh, I grew up watching the West Indies dominating world cricket. They've been a bit lacklustre of late, but it's good to see them actually playing quite nicely. Yeah, it is. I mean, OK, you know, obviously, being an English man, you, you'd obviously want England to win any series, but you're right. It, I mean, for the good of cricket, it, it's so pleasing, because for how many years have the West Indies been in the absolute doldrums? Um, I mean, it, it's been a well signified hasn't it really it's been mentioned by everybody and I'm pleased for them because this is a nation that really should be up there as as one of the top five or six in the world and uh, you know the last few years they certainly haven't I mean okay they've They've improved immensely in one-day cricket, but as regards test cricket, to be perfectly frank, they haven't been at the races in anything at all. But, you know, this series, we are now seeing, I would say, a dominant West Indies. I know we've still got one more test to come, but certainly the opening two tests, they really have dominated. And for the good of cricket, and everybody will say this, I'm absolutely certain as well, it's so pleasing to get the West Indies back to, as I said earlier, rightfully where they belong. I was out in uh, Barbados in March in you, you drive around Barbados and it's a cricket nation. It's a cricket country. The West Indies love their cricket. Roundabouts are named after famous ex-players out there in Barbados. And Graham, from your point of view, it is quite nice, isn't it, to see them actually performing on the international stage? Yeah, and it's, 
it's with the young side as well, isn't it? The, the the great thing is, it's not the likes of Chris Gale, it's not the likes of Kieran Pollard, Dwayne Bravo doing it. It's young up-and-comers. All right, they're not 21, 22, a few of them, but there's plenty of life left in the likes of Jason Holder, um, Shane Dowrich, Shannon Gabriel, these kind of players. They're really, they're really vibrant in their own way. They're not going to do what a, a Chris Gale has done and smash six after six after six, but they're still playing vibrant cricket. And, and, and you're right, it has been great to see. It's just a shame that it, it, it's come at our expense, really. You get the impression, now that because they are not necessarily the A-listers of, of the Caribbean, that they seem to have a point to prove. They want to go out there and they're, they're playing for their nation, they're playing for themselves and that they want to put themselves back on the map. Yeah, and, and there's no better no better side to beat, really, than England at, at the moment, given given the fact that the support that England get, got full houses there, they've got a lot of attention on them, there are county contracts to be had, as Jason Holder has proved. It's been a real kind of uplifting story, hasn't it? A, a good news story. And, and let's not forget that they've not just beaten a, an England side who were, who were on the knee. They've beaten an England side who came there full of confidence having beaten Sri Lanka 3-0. Really is good to see. Graham mentioned, Peter, that Chris Gale, not part of this test team, but Chris Gale announced today in the in the ODI squad, it seems that even he's getting in the book. He, he wants to know what it's like to be a West Indies cricketer again. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> it's interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, Chris Gow's Chris Gow, isn't he, really? But, yeah, I mean, um, look, I think what Graham just goes back to what Graham was saying, you know, we're talking about Jason Holder, we're talking about a lot of younger players. I mean, Bravo came back, didn't he, in this particular last test as well and serious, played exceptionally well. Obviously, he's not one of the younger brigade, no, true. But, you know, I, I generally feel that this has give or this will give the likes of certain players who perhaps had the fault in their mind of sort of doing what Chris Gow has done very successfully, it has to be said, reverting to T20 mode as, as well. And um, perhaps now that they can see that, you know, cricket in the West Indies, it isn't just about bashing sixes all around the ground. It's not just about, uh, you know, taking part in uh, T20 type cricket, IPL cricket, etc. as well. It really is about proper cricket that you have to say, you know, traditionalist cricket, uh, test match cricket, which, which is what we're talking about. And one thing that's really impressed me, I think, in this series, when you've looked at this West Indian side, OK, um, I suppose to a point, they went into this series as complete underdogs, remember? So there wasn't a huge amount of pressure on them, uh, which I think has benefited them. That's helped them more than anything. It's the fact that you look at them and, and they're actually smiling and enjoying their cricket. And in the past, we've had West Indian sides, to be perfectly honest, you looked around uh, and the body language of the players really has been, I don't really want to be here. <laughs> You know, I, I don't, I'm not really interested in four or five day uh, type test cricket. I want to play one day cricket. But now you look at this group of players and to, in my honest opinion, I just don't think they've got that attitude. I really do think they've got the test cricket mentality attitude. And that can only be good, as I mentioned earlier, to try and get more players now wanting to wear a West Indian Test cricket shirt. Well, hopefully they'll all come flooding back to the game and we'll see West Indies going from strength to strength because that's the challenge now, isn't it? Two Test matches, fantastic, but it needs to be three, four, five more series, more wins and uh, going on for the next few years. Yeah, definitely. As you say quite rightly, I mean, 
you know, let's, you know, we keep praising them, and quite rightly so. They thoroughly outplayed England. They deserve to win this series. Who knows? They could even make it a complete whitewash of three 0 which, uh, frankly, honestly, no one would have predicted that. And you're right. I mean, the big test now is after this series, what have they got ahead of them? At least now they will have the confidence to say, well, we can go out and win test series. That's been proved. But obviously they have to step up the plate. They've got to be more consistent because I think the big worry after that first test match was that everybody was saying West Indies are so inconsistent or they won the first test, but they're probably going to end up possibly losing the second uh, and getting uh, letting England back into it. But they haven't. They've maintained that pressure right the way through. But as you quite rightly say, yeah, any anybody will tell you with Test cricket, great to win one series, but you've then got to back that up with another winning series and another one. If you want to be the best in the world, or, or certainly high up as one of the best teams in the world, you've got to be more consistent. A new feature on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast is the letters page, very much in inverted commas, because what we want you to do is to record your comments on to your telephone, send us the audio to cricketbadger at hotmail.com and we'll play it out as part of that letter page function. Maybe even react to what you say, whether it's an opinion on cricket, international or domestic. Maybe you've got some selection suggestions for the England team or for your county. Maybe you just want to have a bit of a rant. Make it anything up to a minute long. Send it in to cricketbadger at hotmail.com and you might find yourself on next week's Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. In recent weeks on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast, we've had David Gower, we've had Joe Root, we've had Daniel Norcross, Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Haynes, Joel Garner, Ronnie Arani, Chetiswar Pajara, James Foster, Daniel Baldrummond, Sam Hayne, Brett Dolivera, Keaton Jennings, Delray Rawlings, Richard Gleeson, Anthony McGrath, Paul Collingwood. We're building up quite a few test caps and there are many, many more to come. Thank you so much for all your comments on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. It is much appreciated as it goes from strength to strength. You can find the podcast every single week on iTunes. Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Deezer, Radio Public. We're growing. Grow with us. Have your say on all things cricket. Contact us on Twitter at cricket underscore badger. By email, cricketbadger at hotmail.com. Comment on things mentioned in shows. Suggest future topics for future programmes. Get involved as the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast continues to go from strength to strength. Let's talk about slow over rates now. Jason Holden, <laughs> fantastic in that first test match, double century. His bowling's been brilliant over the last 12 months and he's led that side really well. He's a huge component of West Indies' success over the last couple of weeks, but obviously going to miss the third test match now, Graham, because of a slow over rate. For me, that is the right decision. I've seen a lot of people say it's, it's, it's a horrendous decision. Jason Holder's being a key component. He should be playing in that third test match, but slow over rates are such an issue for me in international cricket that regardless of the situation, if it's been a slow over rate, the captain knows he's responsible. They've got to take action, haven't they? Of course they have. Yeah, I Planning for life. Um, that's why. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I, I guess there, but I, I, I certainly think I, I wouldn't have been opposed to have seen a, a much stricter ban. And people might say, well, you know, it's setting, it's setting an example at the wrong time for, for all the reasons we've just spoken about, about inspiring the next generation of, of Western cricketers and all that kind of stuff. You want to, you want to be seeing a, an ensemble Jason Holder playing the full series, but that's complete rubbish in, in my eyes, really. 
at some point a stand needs to be made. It is it's ridiculous how you can't bowl 90 overs in a day. You know, you should be able to bowl 110 in a day, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think it's completely the right decision. And actually, bordering, bordering on the wrong one in, in the fact that you perhaps should have been a little bit stricter. But I, what I would say is there has to be consistency across the board now. They've set, the, you know, they've set a precedent. They have to start banning captains for this more regularly and, and not letting people get away with it. And they've got to, they've got to start looking at drink breaks, impromptu drink breaks, changes of gloves, things like that. All the 12 men coming on, left, right and centre. It's really got to be looked at. I'll tell you what, Graham, this is the 58th, I think, Cricket um, Badger Radio Show podcast. And I agree with you for probably the first time so far in the podcast, because I think you're absolutely you're absolutely spot on with all that. I mean, in terms of inspiring the future generation, yeah, we want them playing cricket. We want West Indies to go from strength to strength. But they also need to know that they need to bowl their overs faster. Peter, it's robbing the supporters, isn't it? If you if you if you're just trundling through your overs, you're not moving at speed between overs. You know, you can see on the scoreboard, all the scoreboards in these big grounds can tell you where you are in terms of your over eight. It's robbing the supporters of cricket that they've paid to watch, isn't it? Well, of course it is. And, and you've got to remember as well that these people have paid a lot of money to watch test cricket. Remember, it, you know, it's not cheap to go and watch any form of international test cricket. So, yes, you're right. And, and just quickly going back to Graham's point, I 100% agree with, with the decision as such. Um, I think they've made the right example. But as Graham said, spot on, you know, you set an example. You've got to carry on with that. You can't just have different examples now. And I, and I hope that the ICC and people like that will just carry on and do that. But, you know, this slow over rate, I don't know well, where does it stop. Where does it? It's, it's one of these situations. I've always been, personally, I've just been a firm believer. I, I, a lot of this, I blame on the umpires. You know, to me, umpires are just not strict enough. There's a scoreboard there. Players know. You know, you can't come into this situation of a captain saying, "Oh, I, I forgot and I lost count." And you know what it's like. I'm having to set field, act as a captain, do all sorts of situations. Um, oh, I get that. I mean, that's fair enough. But at the end of the day, you know, you haven't got to be a mathematician every to work out overs the left, overs that. You've been bowling, surely. But I still think it comes down to the umpires. I've said this for a while with this slow over rates. It's wrong. It's depriving good paying customers of seeing, as you say, 90 overs or even more during the day. You're quite right. At the end of the day, they're the ones who have been shortchanged. But so, in my honest opinion, I think umpires should be a lot more stricter. I mean, they should insist on going to these type of players and say, look, you know, to a captain, look, come on, look, you realise you're well behind on the over rates. You've got to bowl them quicker. Otherwise, I would go down the route like they're doing T20 and it does work I think penalty runs why not I mean to me I think that will stop an awful amount of slow over rates I really do yeah I I I agree. I agree with that. Maybe, maybe penalty runs uh, and things like that can be can be introduced now. What people will say and what teams will argue. Well, hang on a minute. Two teams bowling a day. Both both are uh, have got a, a part to play in this. Can't just penalise the side that's bowling at the end of the day, for example. Well, fine, fair enough. Come up with a kind of pro rata almost mm. formula that that penalises both sides. And, and if that's the case, if it, if it means that at the start of the following day, both sides' scores have altered by 10 runs or 20 runs, whatever it, whatever it be, then fine, no problem. Get on with it. You know, but as, as we both said, bowl your overs. Far too harmonious we've been so far. So I'm going to take issue with you, Peter, on the, the umpires. Haven't the umpires got more than enough on their plate without having to actually but effectively bowl the overs for the fielding side. <laughs> well, yeah, OK, they've got a lot on their plate, true, but I still just maintain that 
you know, I mean, I, I've been at games, I've covered games, and I've seen sides bowl over slow for various reasons. And, you know, umpires do get involved to a point, but in my honest opinion, as I said, I just don't think they're, they're strong enough, really, more than anything else. As I said earlier, you know, you go up to a captain and you say to him, this is the situation. You know, I'd go back to, I'd still go back to uh, penalty runs. I, I mean, that's just me, perhaps... Uh, I know people could say, well, perhaps it will be a bit unfair on the side towards the end of a day, but something's got to be done, hasn't it, realistically? And I still think the guys in charge, i.e. the umpires, yeah, it's, 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 we all know umpiring's not easy, and I know they've got a massive amount on their plate. They're all under scrutiny for everything. We, we, I appreciate that. But, you know, to me, at the end of the day, I just think they are the people in charge, remember? They're the people who will give a decision, whether it be out or not. So to me, I would just go with the umpires and insist that they're a lot more stronger because otherwise, I, I don't think you're going to ever end this debate with slow over rates. You know, you're always going to have sides deliberately bowl overs. I mean, remember when the county championship, we used to be, was it, 120 overs? I think something like that, wasn't it? I think, correct me if I'm wrong. And, you know, sides were still even struggling then in county championship to end up bowling those amount of overs during the day, which was absolutely ludicrous. So, you know, whichever you do, if you turn around and say, well, perhaps it's too many overs, let's shorten it, I guarantee you sides will still find a way whatever the situation is, of bowling over slow. And I'm sorry, but that is totally totally wrong. And it's, it's not in the spirit of the game as well, either. I like Peter's um, penalty <laughs> runs idea. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you another scenario. If a feeling side is... I don't know what the, the, the grades on this would be, because I'm thinking on my feet here. But if there were so many, say, five overs behind how, how much they should be in a day, they lose a wicket in their next innings. He can, I can guarantee, and the, the, the opposition can choose which batsman doesn't bat for them. Guarantee you that you won't get slow over rates in that situation. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Because, you, you, you know, because you, you've got to give these sides, haven't you, some sort of a penalty. You know, it's, I mean, to me, it's no use sort of after the game saying, well, within a couple of days, okay, Jason Holder's going to be fine, X amount and banned for one game. I mean, I agree with that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. But realistically, the damage has been done a lot earlier, hasn't it? It should have been stamped on straight away. Yeah. Sorry, Graham, I cut, into, cut across you. What, what you're saying is basically it's slow over rate is penalising the supporters, yet to rectify it, you're going to allow further opportunities to penalise the supporters by taking away one of the better... One of the one of the star one of the star attractions. Is that what you're saying? That's that's basically what I was saying, yeah. Yeah. Well that's rubbish. That's absolute rubbish. Why why is it why who's being chased by the police, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Surely surely the easy the easy way of doing it is one, what Peter says about the umpires taking more responsibility is not hard. No matter how much an umpire's got on the umpire to say to a 12th man, you know, yep. he's had his drink 10 minutes ago. Often he's had his drink two minutes ago at the, at the end of the previous over. Get off. You know, fair, fair enough. Change of gloves when you're diving, you're diving for a run out or and, and you've got mud all over it and the grip doesn't work and things like that. Or you've been batting for hours and hours. One change of gloves and a, and a quick drink. Completely fine I've not got a problem with that but it's when 12 men are coming on constantly at, at the fall of every wicket 
you know, two wickets in two balls, 12 man comes on, next wicket, 12 man comes on. It's ridiculous. It doesn't need to happen. And the umpires, the, it, no matter what they've got on the plate, they should be able to make time to say, get off. The other, the, the other way of getting around the issue of causing, it, it won't work completely every time, but it, it certainly would make things a lot easier when I was talking about two size bowling in a day and, and how do you work it out. Well, one thing that would make it slightly easier is to penalise by runs at the end of each session because because you're more likely mm. to have a side bowling for a full session. That That is one way of, of doing it. But but certainly something needs to be done. But I, 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 I can't go along with the fact that the fielding side gets to choose the, the batter who, you know, who's not batting or, the, you know, things like that. That That is just penalising the spectators even more. I, I, I just don't see how that can work. It, it makes four-day test matches, Peter, seem a little bit of a, of, a, of a strange move because if we can't get the overs into a five-day test match, yeah, I mean, I know these test matches have only lasted three days anyway, but uh, that's <laughs> that's irrelevant to the the argument. If you make if you make it a four-day test match and you're asking a, a, a feeling side to bowl extra overs to make up for the overs that you've lost by not having a fifth day, you've got no chance, have you? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, it never happened, in my opinion. Sorry, I, I honestly don't think it will happen. It's as simple as that. No, no, no. You know, so it goes back to what I was saying before, and just quickly going back to Graham's point. You know, Graham's saying the same thing. You know, umpires have got to, they've got to be a lot more stricter and a lot more firmer. If they were, I honestly think you wouldn't have this situation with sides deliberately slowing things down. And as Graham mentioned, you know, 12 men coming on and, you know, five minutes later, somebody else comes on. There's another stoppage and everything else. And, and you know, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, if, if you started going back to like what you're referring to, I, I just don't think it will work, to be perfectly honest with you. I really don't. You know, to me, you've got our five-day test and that's it. It's as simple as that. You've got a set amount of overs in. Uh, that's been tradition for a while. And, you know, personally, I just think, you know, you should end up carrying on with that. It, it, it will work if... And I stress the big word, if, as we've been saying during this conversation, the umpires are a lot more stricter and a lot more sterner. Are you looking to get your business in front of the cricket world? Join forces with the fastest growing cricket podcast on the web, the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast, brought to you in association with your business. Take an advert on the pod or become the headline sponsor. Contact us, cricketbadger at hotmail.com for some very reasonable prices. And joining the fun as the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast continues to go from strength to strength. We've done the slow over. I think we're all in agreement. Well, however it's done, it needs to uh, be better than it has been over the last uh, few years in terms of test cricket. Let's move on to England's performance then in the Caribbean. I, I, I wrote a piece the other day saying that I thought that the the first leg of the winter in Sri Lanka would have been the potentially toughest in terms of test cricket and that the West Indies, it should be a case of walking up there and, and, and winning the three test matches in the, in the Caribbean. Do you think that England have felt exactly the same. Maybe a bit of complacency, Graham, has crept into England as they've approached the Caribbean winter, leg of the winter. No, no, I don't think so. I just think I just think it's been one of those tours, in a sense, where just nothing's really gone right. You, you bowled out for seventy-seven, which is a freak. Uh, no matter how poor your batting your batting is, and England's 
batting is is leaving a lot to be desired and has done for quite some time. Getting bowled out for 77 is a freak. Yeah, getting bowled out for 140, 150 can happen. It, it's realistic. 77 isn't. You should you should always be getting more than that. I, I just I just think as I say, it's just been one of those tours where everything's gone for the West Indies. You know, you look at Jason Holder playing the innings of his life, which compounds things in Barbados. Shane Dowrich, again similar. The pitching in Antigua, yes, same for both sides. But you know, the West Indies bowled superbly on it. England just didn't have the luck. I don't think we should get too et up just purely on this series. If we go and beat Australia in the summer, this will be completely forgotten. You know, it'll be completely forgotten and we'll all be celebrating an Ashes win, which is the most important one. But there are issues. There is no doubt about that. Whether whether it, and it, it goes far deeper than just the England side, it goes into, into county cricket as well. There the just aren't enough people with the ability to bat time. That comes down to T20. T20 has improved cricket and has improved test match cricket and has improved first class cricket in many, many ways. Um, fielding, shots, you know, wow shots and things like that, all of which have improved test cricket in, in, in many senses. Unfortunately, the T20 mindset of batting has had a knock-on effect, an adverse knock-on effect on the ability to bat time. What the hell's going on, Peter? Tell me. <laughs> well, I just 100% agree with what um, Graham was saying. I mean, look, as I said earlier, I mean, England went in firm favourites. I, I agree with Graham. I, I don't think there's a bit of complacency there, no far from it. I tell you what I think has helped a lot was winning the toss every time. Um, I, I think that is a massive, massive difference. Uh, possibly if England had won the toss, I think we might be sitting, sitting here talking an entirely different uh, scenario. Yeah, I mean, England, they haven't performed it's as soon as that. You know, West Indies have been up for this. Yeah, I'm going back to Graham's point. It was free to be bowled out for 77 true, but then you look at 100 and, what was it, 140 odd in, in another test match. I mean, England's, it is the batting. And it, Graham's 100% right. How many players can bat like Bravo did in that last test match? All right, people were saying to me, yeah, but he was so boring. And, he, you know, he lost. I said, yeah, but he, he made 50 odd. Yes, or 50, whatever it was. He, he, he was there for a huge amount of time, but players batted around him and he did the sensible thing. He managed to stay there. It was a case of, if you want to get me out, you're going to have to work really hard to get me out. It's as simple as that. And, and England did have trouble getting him out. We know that. You know, all of this is to blame is T20. T20 has been brilliant, as Graham said, for fielding, batting, all sorts of scenarios and situations, I agree. And, and obviously it's been wonderful for the finances, remember, without T20. Let's be perfectly frank, a lot of counties would really, even now, still be struggling. So you you have to look at the positive side of T20, but then the negative side is 100% right. A lot of batsmen in this country, they just cannot settle down and play an innings. Uh, Time and time again, England batsmen in this particular series have got out to one-day shots. People can say it's it's scoreball pressure and everything. Yeah, if you're facing a massive total, I agree, scoreball pressure is always going to get on top of any batsman's mind. But the mindset has to be five-day test cricket. No, it, it, it goes back to the old sort of Jeffrey Boycott situation. You know, like Boycott was one of those batsmen. You wouldn't turn around and say he was a fluent-type batsman, and people wouldn't say he was the most entertaining batsman in the world to, to go and pay my money. But he was very, very hard to get out, and he would stay there. England built an innings around him. And at the moment, you haven't, in this England setup, we just haven't got a player 
of that type of position who you can sit down and say, if England are in a bit of trouble, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to stay there and at least last one session. But how many times does that happen? The answer, it doesn't happen, does it? England get bowled out time and time again in a lot of cases within a session because they are into this, as Jim Graham said quite rightly, this one-day mode and they're never going to get out of it. It's as simple as that. And, um, I'll put it to you, though. I'll, I'll come back to you on that. Is it the players? Is it the management? It's, it's whatever, whoever has sat around the table and decided what England's test match ethos is going to be it's all this come on we're going to take it to them we're going to attack them we're going to play attacking fluent cricket we're going to be entertaining the masses we're going to contact our public again and and enrich their lives by playing this attacking brand of wonderful test cricket there is not a plan B behind that is there because I I don't actually agree that there isn't a player in the upper echelons of English cricket that can't bat time what there isn't though is the guidance from above to say that that's the policy the policy that seems to permeate through England's five-day cricket is whatever the situation whatever whether it's a sunny day and we're 200 for one or whether it's a, a a screen seamer in Durham and they're 32 for three, it's right, we're going to take it to them, we're going to fight our way out of this, and that doesn't always work, does it? There's, there's, there is there is a point that is worth making again, that the kind of, the schedule doesn't help, does it, at all. You're playing, England cricketers are playing the majority of their long-form cricket, the back end, the front end and the back end of, of the season, when the pitches aren't going to be at the well, aren't good, certainly aren't going to be at their best. And that doesn't help at all. Shiteshwar Pajara, over the last few months, bat, bat, bat and bat in Australia. Look at his record in county cricket. It's not great. He, he's an expert at batting time. And look at his record in county cricket. It's not, it's not great at all. Not many of the England team that's sent out in the Caribbean is actually playing county cricket, are they? They're playing for England in the summer. At the, at the height of the summer, they're playing test matches. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But you're still, you're still bringing in the likes of Joe Denley. Rory Burns is a little bit of a poor example because he is the one person who has, in the last 12 months, batted time for Surrey. So I'm going to excuse him from this. There are no doubting the qualities of Joe Root. I think we all know that he can bat time. He's going through a spell where he's finding it difficult at the moment. I think a lot of that is, you know, he's trying to he's trying to weigh up what he wants to do and what he feels is is his best position, three, four, wherever. So I think there's there are things going on in in his mind at the moment that are maybe just affecting affecting him ever slightly. I still think that. That that schedule has a knock-on effect and has a part to play. I, I, I agree to some extent with you. Certainly on the players coming in fresh. But Peter, is it is it not the ethos that we're going to take it to them kind of ethos that it doesn't allow for anybody to actually grit their teeth and fight for the three lines that's on their shirt? They even when they they either choose the bad shot and they play an attacking shot when it's not really warranted and they get themselves out. But often even when they're trying to defend, they hang their bat limply outside the off stump and, and edge off and they're not really offering anything at all but the the ethos is always and Joe Root is probably as guilty as most with saying this time and time again is right we're going to attack we're going to we're going to play fluent attacking cricket yeah yeah I mean okay I, I can see where Joe Root's coming from I mean you know perhaps I'm all Trevor Bayliss has gone on record hasn't he before as saying you know this England side we want them to be attacking and play attacking cricket but yeah I mean that's fine on certain pitches you could probably get away with it if they're really flat pitches in particular yeah I mean that's pretty easy to do that as well but back what Graham says up there I think a lot of this as well is down to the scheduling which let's be honest with you any cricket fan on 
anybody's situation will tell you is a ludicrous setup. You know, I mean, you have, was it three, three or four county championship matches early on? That's normally April when the pitches are, are at their worst, to be honest with you. And then the rest of the county championship is pushed aside to the end of the season, which again, pitches don't improve. Most of the time on green seamers, that's why you get so many sides get skittled out for ridiculously low totals. So obviously, I suppose the ideal scenario would be, well, let's play it in decent months. Let's try and get decent pitches out. But then, of course, if you start doing that, you then start interfering with, with, with one-day cricket and 2020 cricket. So I think it's a case of you know, 2020 cricket's always going to come first because financially-wise, it's successful. Uh, county cricket is always going to be pushed back and it's going to be lost. But I'm afraid, uh, as regards uh, batting-wise, it doesn't do players' confidence any good at all whatsoever. And, I, I mean, it's been like that, hasn't it, for, for an extremely long while. And, and personally, I don't think it's going to get any easier. I mean, you, know, you can turn around and say perhaps of England players being told to go out and be positive all the time. But surely when any captain will tell you in particular more than anything, certain situations, yeah, OK, you can do that. I appreciate that. In a lot of situations, let's be honest, with when England have been in trouble, at the end of the day, all right, with the exception probably of Bairstow's innings, when he his attitude was, right, I am going to try and attack, uh, you know, and put pressure on the bowlers, which he did. I mean, he made I think, about 50-odd and he batted exceptionally well. But at the end of the day, you knew very well that was never going to last, not on those type of pitches, with the type of bowling that he was up against and also what England have been up against as well. So my point will be, yeah, I can understand them playing the tapping shot, but surely you do it in the situation that the game dictates to you and more importantly, on the type of pitch you're playing on. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. I'm going to read you a quote from Trevor Bayliss after that second test match in Antigua where he said, We haven't seemed to have the will to fight. There's been some very loose shots and other guys have been very tentative. It's been one or the other with not a lot in between. And that's the art of batting. Now, I think he's absolutely bang on with that one. Some people have been too aggressive. Some people have been too tentative. But for heaven's sake, he's the coach. This is the team that plays under him. And this is the team that listened to him for guidance. Surely Trevor Bayliss has a lot to shoulder here, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah, he has. I, I, I think he has by far and away. But then, is it all down to Trevor Bayliss? I mean, who's England's batting coach? Mark Ramprakash. Now, surely you'd sit down and think, well, he, I think he's got a say in this as well, to be perfectly honest with you, as well. And I think, uh, you know, our players obviously not learning off of what Mark Ramprakash is either saying or doing as well. He can't, he can't go out and bat four players, can he? And I'm sure he will be putting his message across. I do think that you look at that test match there, you look at some of the the dismissal, root out twice, the two absolute 
Jaffers. He couldn't have done much more. No. You have got to really... It's just really the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and I think it probably is. Whilst this hasn't been the most glaring... This series hasn't been the most glaring example of kind of batting deficiencies, I, I do actually... I just think it is the straw that broke the camel's back. In terms of who, who carries the can? Who carries the can? I think everybody's got everybody's got a part to play. <laughs> needs, needs quite a few handles, this can, doesn't it, to be carried about? <laughs> well, yeah, it does, yeah. Josh you Butler know. said that it's an exciting time to be an England player because there's lots of lots of uh, places potentially up for grabs with the certainly the top order. He's right. There are plenty of places up for grabs, which is a bit which is a bit worrying, isn't it? Really, we're ahead of an Ashes series. Well, we're two but, tests away from the Ashes starting. Well, Australia are in exactly the same position. So we'll, we'll come on to them in um, a second because they are in they're in turmoil too, aren't they? But is there anybody out there that you've seen on the county circuit that would? Fit? I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give you one to start with. Nick Gubbins at Middlesex. I've got a lot of time for him in the t- at the top of the order. I think he's a very very fine player. Is there anybody out there, Peter Graham, who who you would volunteer as being a top order player? Daryl Mitchell at Worcester. I think he's I think he's been exceptional for a long period of time. Very consistent. Knows his game. Technically sound. Uh, technically sound. Scores scores a lot of runs. Wayne Madsen is of that help, but. You know, is his time is his time gone? A lot of people will say, you know, second division runs. I would like to see Mitchell before him. But again, you, you, you know, talk about he, two very similar very, very players, player. there, aren't you? With in terms of age and, and what have you. But if if England are crying out, for, I mean, I, I, Michael Vaughan earlier today was um, tweeting about should Ian Bell come back in at number three for the Ashes, which <laughs> to me would be a bit of a retrograde step. But you know, if we're going down that route of bringing somebody with an experience and and what have you, then somebody like Daryl Mitchell or Wayne Madsen would be. be fine by me to me not whilst whilst any player play nothing is a retrograde step if they're in form and they're scoring runs what why why is it a retrograde step to bring Ian Bell back if he's scoring runs and he's in he's in fine form it, it, sure, surely the the hunger and desire is if he's not retired from test cricket the hunger and desire is still there to play for England I don't I don't see it as a retrograde step you know your series come series go if he's scoring runs people talking about Alistair Cook aren't they you know and I think he's been asked the question if he has a great start to the season with Essex would you consider it I wouldn't have a problem with that at all if he is scoring runs and he feels that he can add something to that side I, I wouldn't have a problem with it what about you know, Peter is there anybody that you've got your eye on well I, well, basically the two players that uh, you know we've talked about Mitchell and uh, Nick Gubbins I mean I've I cover Middlesex along a couple of counties and I, I, see, I see a lot of uh, Nick Gubbins and you're right I think he's got uh, the technique uh, he can vary his style of play as well which I think will help Daryl Mitchell obviously he's, he's, he's a player who will score a lot of runs been consistent as well there's Joe Clark remember also as well so yeah, there's a few but there isn't one probably instantaneous man that will stick to, you know, to everybody's mind I, I mean you know, people have asked me this question as well and, and they say to me look you know you cover a lot of county cricket you must see a, a stack full of players who are putting their hands up or certainly towards the end of last season saying pick me pick me but the simple answer is no there isn't as such and, and we go back to Ian Bell who remember had a very successful season last season for uh, Warwickshire you're right and I go along with Graham. I mean, if Bell's scoring runs at the start of the season, why not? You know, to me, we're playing Australia at the end of the season. Remember, we want the best 11. So whether or not it's Ian Bell, if Alistair Cook had that chance to come back, knowing Cookie, you possibly might even grab at that chance. You never know, do you? Obviously, you know, we don't know how he's going to feel in that situation. Or uh, there may be players who start the season very well uh, and start scoring a bucket full of runs. Obviously, you know, they're going to start putting their hands 
hands up as well. So I think that's going to be uh, very, very interesting as well, more than anything. But, uh, yeah, because you've got to remember, as, as you said, we've got two tests, isn't it, that's, you know, before the Ashes. I mean, it's only two tests, remember. It's not like you've got another uh, series coming up before the Ashes. The simple answer is no. You've got one more test match against the West Indies. Then you've got a, a single test against Ireland, remember. And after that, that's it. It's straight into a crucial Ashes series as well. Among them is a glaringly obvious one. Don't say Kevin Peterson for whatever you say. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what England don't see in him, I, 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 I don't know. Mr. Gary Balance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. What's been the issue with Balance? You know, he's, he's, he, started, he started well. He had a great start to his test career. He had a dip in form. People start picking apart his technique. He goes back to Yorkshire, scores a, a stack full of runs, comes back into the England side. People start picking apart his technique just because he doesn't score runs immediately. Goes back to Yorkshire, scores a stack full of runs, and people are crying out for a, a player who can bat time. And then you've got one ready made of, of, of international quality. Do you think um, it would be better for Gary, though, to to avoid the Ashes? Because you know you know damn well that first test match, if he gets one that moves away from him, from Mitchell Stark in the edges to second slip, or he's caught in front, all of those same tweets, all of those same newspaper articles will be written again, won't they? It might, it might be better for Gary Balance to avoid the Ashes summer and come back in the winter. If you ask Gary, I, I realise this is a, a, a very hypothetical question. You're going to start your England career again in 12 months. Would you rather just miss the Ashes um, and start again in South Africa, New Zealand? I'm not sure which, which one to go to first. What do you think he'd say? Well, I know what he'd say. But I don't know whether he would be the right person to make that choice. I think I, I personally think for him, because I think a lot of, of Gary's struggles have been between the years. And I think that the Ashes series would be not the best of series for him to make his reappearance in. Well, maybe not. But when you're talking about quality, quality players who can bat time and you've got a world-class one there who can bat time for fun. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I, I mean, you, you know as well as I do that I'm a, I'm a massive fan of Gary Balance, always have been, so he, he wouldn't be uh, something that I would complain about at all. But I think yeah, the, the names we mentioned there, Nick Gubbins, Wayne Madsen, um, Daryl Mitchell, Gary Balance, Ian Bell possibly, um, but Joe Clark as well at Worcester. I, you know, th- there are players out there that have got the ability to come in there and make a difference. Yeah, th- there are. And it's going to be, again, it's going to be a fascinating start to the summer. It's that Badger style. Mentioned the fact we're only two tests away from the Ashes starting, but start with you, Peter. How worried are you about this England team, or are you worried at all? <laughs> I'm a little worried. I wouldn't say I'm over worried. Certainly, I'm a little worried um, because at the end of the day, my big concern is the fact that I've been saying that we've just got two more tests, and then straight away Australia are here, and away we go, type of thing. You know, you haven't got much of a build-up more than anything. So yeah, I am a little worried uh, more than anything. Yes, I mean, I suppose the situation might happen and it probably will eventually that uh, alright perhaps you know this final test match no in England they're 2-0 down got nothing to play for they'll probably end up going to beat the West Indies and then Ireland we'll probably end up beating Ireland and everyone's going to say it's a, it's perfectly rosy in the garden there's nothing wrong you know why on earth are we all complaining but no I think realistically I, yeah I am a, to answer your question I am a little worried I'm, I'm concerned what concerns me more than anything is the fact of you know in my opinion this top five top six you know England haven't got a settled top five or a top six, and that's a worry. I mean, I know people talk about the opening partnership is, is a worry, and the openness, which it is, true, 
who's going to bat at three? Is Root going to go up to three or whatever as the case may be? Or someone else going to come in and go to that position? But I think my biggest worry is the fact that going into an Ashes series, you know, you've got to have some consistency with a batting lineup in particular. And certainly, I feel you've got to have a settled top six. It's always a silly question, Graham, to ask you if you were, your glass is always half empty, isn't it? But in, in terms of England, are you worried? And you also, you, you hinted at it earlier, you know, Australians got to be worried about their side too. Yeah, I, I think it will be a very, uh, a very, very even series. I think it'll be a good series. You know, for, for the deficiencies in a sense, it'll be an exciting one. I still think England are favourite. No, I'm not particularly worried about it. In the home conditions, there will be Australia. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like to see it three two. You know, the, the one thing, the one thing I would say. We're not sat. We're not sat here talking about an England side who are boring, are we? And there's something to be said for that. You know, exciting cricket. No matter they are producing exciting cricket. So yeah, I I think they'll they'll beat Australia, but I think it will be reasonably close. Let, let's finish off this week's podcast then with a, a fantastic summer of cricket ahead of us. We've got the Ashes 2019. We've got the World Cup as well um, in the One Day Arena. If I could give you to the choice, England are going to win one of those competitions. Which one? Do you think is the most important the Ashes or the World Cup which is the most important for the team and which is the most important for English cricket as a whole Peter um, <laughs> well very good question uh, you, I mean you've got to remember it's two different forms of cricket isn't it more than anything so in my honest opinion I would have to go with the Ashes pinnacle of, well you can say test cricket I think cricket overall uh, alright cricket World Cup will be great to win and it, it would be an honour I'm not saying it isn't but like I said it's a different format of the game more than anything but I just think perhaps it's me being more of a traditionalist personally and I think for England cricket and good for the game as well and for first class cricket in particular to me it's a no brainer it's definitely the Ashes Graham World Cup you won the World <laughs> Cup instead never, we've never won one so until you win that first one you've got to you know on your home side look, look at the look at the euphoria around the winning winning the World Cup a couple of years ago that was absolutely amazing and it was topped off by a fabulous day at Lords great game great comeback if if we can replicate that and it's the first time that we've won a World Cup, then yeah, I, I'd, I'd go, I'd go above the Ashes. And, and, and I say that as to somebody who actually would far prefer to watch Test cricket than than One Day cricket. I still think that that format is king. But just in this summer alone, and for the reason that, as I say, we've not won one before, I think the World Cup. Fantastic to have you both on this week. It's my podcast, so basically I'm going to have us winning both of them. We're going to win the Ashes, and we're going to win the World Cup, and it's going to be a summer to. Rem- Remember, Peter and Graham, thank you for joining me this week. Question. Sorry. About which one would you rather win? You can't, you can't finish off by saying, well, we're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to win a both. All right, well, if, you, if, if you're going to take my serious answer then, if you're going to take my serious answer, um, I would prefer to, I'm with you, I prefer to win the World Cup. I think uh, for all the reasons you gave in that we've not won it before and we've got close before and we've had these uh, um, instances with the Champions Trophy and stuff where we've played brilliant cricket and then we've had one horrendous performance and we've we've bottled it basically at the, at the wrong time. I think it would be fantastic for English cricket and for all of those players to actually go through a whole tournament and finish with a trophy. So that would be my serious answer, but I'm going to go back to my original point. This might podcast so we're winning both of them 2019 is going to be a summer to remember Peter thank you for your debut this week my pleasure anytime and uh, Graham I'm sure we'll hear from you again soon um, Peter and Graham thank you very much for joining me thanks very much it's that Badger style 
Thank you very much indeed to Graham and to Peter. We'll hear from them again, I'm sure, in the future on the Cricket Budget Radio Show podcast. Thank you to you for listening this week and indeed as ever. And please leave us some positive feedback on whatever platform you subscribe to on the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast so you collect it every single week. And if you want to have your say, send us your audio up to a minute. Any comments you've got on this show or cricket in general, get them off your chest and we'll play them on next week's show. Until we meet again, enjoy your cricket badges. Sports Social Podcast Network.